Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, how many you love the Lord's presence, amen? I want to just encourage you. You can do that in your home every day. You just read your word and begin to worship and the Holy Spirit can speak to you and, and you can experience the presence of the Lord. Amen? Come on, I'm happy to be at church today. If it's your first time here today, I'm Ryan, and if you're watching online, we've got an online community here. I know there's May long weekend. I want to say you guys get a prize for coming to church. Hallelujah. But all of those who are joining, they're like, Ryan, we're on church too. Yes, you are online. I see you. Don't worry. I'm glad you're with us too, and I hope you're having a great time wherever you are. Uh, but we love that you're here today. We're going to finish our series in Colossians, and then we're going to get into a new series called Tongues of Angels. I really felt the Holy Spirit put on my heart at the beginning of the year that we needed, I want, needed to do a healthy series on spiritual warfare and speaking in tongues. Now, there's three groups probably here today that hear that. Number one, the first group is, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this was a weird church. We need to go. And so the purpose of this series is to bring some health so that you can understand that the Bible teaches this, but there's health and there's balance and there's, there's, a why, there's, there's health in that. And so I want to help those of you who are afraid to ease your fears. Then there's the other side who says, man, uh, everyone, finally, Ryan, everyone in the room needs to speak in tongues. I'm going to give you a little bit of a gut check a little bit too to recognize a little bit of a teaching and encouragement to know that your, your intentions for everyone to be filled with the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues is absolutely biblical, but there's some balance in that as well. Maybe you're in the middle ground where you say, Ryan, I didn't grow up in that. I'm interested. I'd like to hear more. Uh, you know, I'm going to help you understand what the Bible teaches, exactly what it teaches, without opinion or hearsay. I'm just going to teach you exactly what the Scripture teaches, and then we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And the, and, and the reason I chose to do this, because I call uh, May and June uh, uh, push-through seasons. It's when the weather's changing, school's ending, we're taking vacations. It's when we have to make a conscious choice to discipline ourselves to be a part of the things of God. It's a season where we're like, okay, I don't want to go to church, but I'm going to go to church. I don't want to go to prayer, but I'm going to go to prayer. I don't want to read my Bible, but I'm going to read my Bible. I don't want to pray, but I want to pray. I don't... And so I felt like I needed to kind of lean in a little bit uh, to encourage you to press in during this uh, push-through season. And then we're going to get into the summer, and I love the summer. Um, I'm leaning towards doing a series called Extraordinary, uh, a series on the prophets Elijah and Elisha. And it's going to be so much fun. We're going to take the July on Elijah, and we're going to take August on Elisha, called Extraordinary. And every summer, we do something fun, walk through a character of the Bible. Last year, we did the book of Revelations, hallelujah. And I won't do that for another 15 years. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we loved it. It was great. And uh, so, okay. So open your Bibles, if you have one, or your digital Bible. And we're going to get into this today. Uh, we've been, this will be our ninth week in the book of Colossians. And uh, some of you are so glad we're done. And some of you have loved it. And some of you didn't even know we were in Colossians. It's okay. <laughs> You're like, I thought we were in Chronicles. <laughs> no, we're in Colossians. Thanks for showing up. Okay. But what we're going to do today is I'm going to, you know, last week was a very practical week. And I, I have had more feedback from last week's message than, you know, honestly, just high feedback because it was so practical. And so what we're going to do today is we are going to, to, to start on a practical note. I'm going to give you some practical things right from Scripture. And then I want to bring this whole series, kind of culminate it, land the plane towards the end of our time together. And so we're in Colossians uh, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 22. But before we read that, I want to remind you where we are today. Remember, the book of Colossians was written to the, the, the church of Coloss and the church of Laodicea. 
And Paul wrote this letter while in prison. Epaphras, pastor of the church of Coloss, went to see Paul, gave him an update on the church, but said there's a few things I'm concerned about. And so Paul took the liberty of writing a letter to the church of Coloss to bring clarity and, and instruction to these concerns that Epaphras had to help Epaphras really understand, you know, actually this is a bigger issue than you think. Let's address it. And so what we've done is, is we've really done the first five weeks we spent time talking about the greatness of Jesus and how Jesus is better and Jesus is the greatest. And there's nothing better than Jesus and there's nothing simpler than Jesus and we shouldn't overcomplicate the gospel and make it anything but about Jesus. And so that was the first five weeks. And then the last four weeks, Paul then said, okay, because you believe in the greatness of Jesus, now you must begin to build your life on Christ. And this is what he said. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Okay, you've said the prayer, you lifted your hand, you gave your life to Christ. Okay, now you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives, here we are, be built on him. And that's where we've been the last four weeks and we'll conclude that today. Then, look at that, everyone say then. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth. You were taught and you will overflow. Here we are again with Thanksgiving. And so what we're going to do is we've been spending the last four weeks talking about evidences that you're building your life on Christ. So go back and listen because I'm not going to recap today. But what we're going to do is get back into last week. We did talk about husbands and wives and children. And while I was talking about children, my son left the room. So he was disciplined later. No, actually, he was helping me with the TV. He says, Dad, I was helping you. I was literally doing what you were preaching on. I was like, ha ha, okay, I'm wrong. You're right. I tried not to embitter him, so to discourage him. So come on, uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 22. Uh, the, the next evidence that you're building your life on Christ as you build your life on Christ is this, right in our scripture, uh, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now, a little bit of context here. Uh, what Paul is talking about, if you read in other translations, talk about slaves and masters. Just so you're aware, many times in those days, uh, there was uh, you know, improper slavery happening. But this context is there were different individuals who would apply for a job to work for a specific household to pay off their debt. And so Paul here is not talking about slavery in our context of slavery. He's talking about the context as getting a job. These individuals were applying for work to work for these individuals so that they might pay down their debt so they were like employees and an employer. And so that's the context of what we're talking about uh, in this first one. And so if you evidence that your life is built on Christ is that you serve your employer as though you were serving Jesus. All staff at Love City Church, listen up. I'm just kidding. I'm going to get to the master part or the boss part in a minute. So uh, where this idea here is he says very simply, and you saw it, he says not obey them in everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by eye service, not just when they see you, not just when they peek their head over your cubicle to see if you're working, not just when the boss is in. I know when the boss is out, a lot of weird things happened at our work and back in the day. I remember at Red Robin, I used to work at Red Robin. I was a host at Red Robin. I wasn't a busser, I was a host. It was weird. Because have you ever met a male host? Never. I was like the only one in the planet. I don't know why, but I, maybe I love people, and yeah, it was awesome. Anyways, I was wearing a wedding ring, too. I digress, and I wasn't married. Anyways, this is weird. I'll move on. Uh, but I remember I would always kind of like, you know, be on my phone or whatever, and then the boss would come around. You know what you do? Whoop, you know, it's like, oh, fix everything, and you, know, you smile. 
Not just when the boss or the employer is present, not just for eye service, and even bigger, not just to please them. Not just to get that promotion, not just so that you'll work so that when they see you, so that you'll get that promotion or they'll treat you better. They see that I'm working better than the guy uh, down the way there. The idea of working at your job is that you're not doing it for eye service. You're not doing it to please people. But ultimately, you're doing it with a sincerity of heart. That phrase there means integrity, even more so the scripture, the idea of sincerity of heart is singly focused. That you are serving your boss or your employer with one single focus because I fear the Lord. Because I love God. Because I'm honoring him. Because I want to worship the Lord. And he continues in verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that the Lord, uh, you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, listen, do not work at your job to get a reward from your boss. Work from, at your job to serve the Lord knowing that you will receive a reward and inheritance from him. And guess what? It might not happen in this lifetime. It might happen after you've died and gone home to be with Jesus and you're spending an eternity in paradise. He says, hey, remember the time when you were at your job and you served your earthly master and you did that for me and you didn't have to do that and when he wasn't looking and you went the extra mile. Why did you do that? I did that because, Lord, I loved you and I served you. Well, guess what? You have your reward. How many of us go to our jobs and we do just what's expected of us, especially when people are watching us and we're doing it just so our boss will see us or just so our coworkers will see us and we're driven by worshiping people's affirmation rather than worshiping the Lord. And he says in this scripture that you should know that you will receive a reward. Sometimes it is on this planet. Sometimes you will get that promotion. Sometimes you will get that upgrade in your job. Sometimes you will get that pay raise. Sometimes you will get those things. But I want to encourage you today to know every promotion, every upgrade in your job, every benefit that you receive, hear me now, is from the Lord and the Lord alone. So as it says here in the scripture to honor the Lord, and look what he ends this verse by saying this. He says, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. It's kind of an odd verse to put in there. And what he's talking about, he says, listen, don't look at all the other employers in your, in your company or your business or around you who are doing all sorts of things. Some of them are doing, you know that Tom over there in that other cubicle only shows up to work on time when his boss is in that day. And you showed up on time every single day. You know that they only go the extra mile because there's a new manager. You know that they only say nice things about the boss and then they, the boss goes away and they're just like about them at the water cooler. I know that all of these people are talking trash about the boss and they're like, oh, you're such the best boss in the world when they get around him. He says, don't you worry about how other people deal with their employers and how they work. You do you, boo. <laughs> you worry about you. Why? Because you are not doing it for the people around you. You're not doing it for your employer. You're not doing it for the people at work. You're not doing it for promotion. You're not doing it for money. You're not doing it because you want a better job. You're not doing it because you want people to think you're great. You're doing it because you love Jesus. You fear the Lord. You reverently honor and live a life after God because this job was given to me by the Lord. Every promotion comes from the Lord. God is my provider. This, this employer is not my provider. God's my provider. He might write my checks, but God provided for him to provide for me. 
You know, we find this in Scripture. It's interesting. I did a whole long series on this, if you want to listen. It's on our Spotify account. You can go back. I think it was in 2017. We did a whole series on the life of Joseph. And I went back and looked at this a little bit because it was so pertinent to what we were talking about here today that Joseph, as you know, was a young man who was in a very peculiar situation. He was sold uh, in slavery uh, uh, by his own flesh and blood. He was sent by a slave trade 700 kilometers from home. He knew no one, and in this case, he was purchased as a slave to work for a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. Many believe that Potiphar was the head bodyguard for Pharaoh, and in fact was the head executioner. The guy that wears the black mask when he chops people's heads off? Yeah, that's Potiphar. And so Potiphar was a scary dude. In every movie we've seen, like Braveheart, you know, they're bald-headed and they're big and they're massive and their necks are out to here and they're just like, that's Potiphar. (laughs) (laughs) And so here's Joseph put in a precarious situation where he's working for potentially a harsh boss who purchased him, treated him like a slave. And here's Joseph, a young, uh, you know, 18, 19-year-old boy, had to make a conscious decision that I know that my boss has, has you know, procured my employment uh, in a very unsavory way. I know that I'm working in a place where the boss's wife keeps winking at me every time I walk by. She keeps thinking I'm, a, I'm sexy and she wants to sleep with me and she tells me every day. Every time I go somewhere, I know that when my boss isn't present, I could run away. Or my boss isn't present, I could cheat. Or my boss isn't present, in this case of this story, I could sleep with his wife. But Joseph made a conscious decision to serve his his master Potiphar, and I want you to know that God prospered him because of it. Look at this scripture in Genesis chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served As he served in the home of his Egyptian master, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant, and he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. Look at this. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. I want to speak this prophetically into you today. Did you know that God sent you to your business or to your company or as an employer in the place, even if it might be McDonald's or Starbucks or the CBE or a hospital, God sent you there to prosper those around you. Why? Because we walk in the very favor of the mighty God. We are blessed by the grace and the favor of the Most High God. Does it mean he makes us rich and wealthy? Well, that's up to the Lord. But I know this, that wherever I go, other people are blessed. Why? Because I was blessed to be a blessing. So wherever you go and wherever you walk and wherever you talk, just know that you are a representation of the Master King Jesus. And when you go in that place, guess what? God wants to use you to bless them. And they will recognize in the scripture, as it says right here, Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Notice the scripture in verse 3. Potiphar noticed this. Now, I want you to really capture this. Joseph wasn't worried about Potiphar. Joseph wasn't trying to impress Potiphar. Joseph wasn't trying to impress the other employees. Joseph wasn't thinking about how to get out or how to get a promotion or how to become the second in charge so Potiphar didn't worry about anything other than his food. Joseph was thinking about one thing and one thing only. I want to serve Jesus. And by serving Christ, I'm going to serve those who are in front of me. And because of that, God caused Potiphar to notice it. 
And promotion came, and promotion came from the Lord. I want to prophesy this to the church today. There are promotions coming for you today. I believe that in your job and in your workplace. You've been wondering, God, what's going to happen next? There are promotions coming, but it doesn't come because you're a good person. It comes because of the grace and the mercy and the love of your Heavenly Father. And as you continue to honor the Lord and walk in the fear of the Lord, guess what happens? The Lord says, good job, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to promote you. Good job. I know it feels like you've been promoted in a while, but God, I deserve this. Listen, you deserve what I give you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for this job. Everything you have in your life is the Lord gave it to you. Here's the second thought today. As we continue to read in Colossians 4.1, we'll switch uh, to those of you who are employers or owners of a business. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Very short. But I find it very interesting in the scripture, if you, evidence that you as an employer are building your life on Christ is you serve your employees and you're fair to them and you treat them equally. So the scripture here is interesting because why should you treat your employees fair? Because you got a boss too. Now at this church here, I'm, I'm the, the quote unquote boss of the church. I mean like as an employer, I guess. And obviously I have accountability and people who oversee me and so forth. But at the end of the day, I would rather report to a boss than to Jesus. <laughs> I would rather report to a human than to God. See, we have, as bosses and as employers, you have someone above you who is the creator and the master of all. You have to take accountability for every employee that you uh, have under your care. And often when we become bosses, or when often when we become employers, we begin to think that finally I have the authority and the control. But the reality is, is that as leaders, as uh, business owners, as people who have managers below us or people who are, we're leading below us, our job is not to be in control. Our job is not just to have all the authority. Our one and only job is to serve them. My wife likes that. My only job is to make them successful. Jesus actually taught on this, Matthew chapter 20. Jesus called them together, and this is after uh, James and uh, John's mother came to them, or Peter and John's mom came to them and said, hey, can my my sons be at your right hand and your left hand? Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world, look at this, they lord it over their people. They have control over them. And officials, they flaunt their authority of those. That's how the world leaders and bosses run their company. Now, not everybody, but this is the general consensus of rulership and leadership, of CEOship on the planet, is that I'm in control, I'm the authority, I'm the ruler, and they lord it over their employees. But Jesus says, but this among you, it will be different. He says this, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to the earth to lay his life down, to die for those who were lower than he was. He lowered himself below them. Now, you might be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, man. I'm not an owner of a company. You know, Michael is, you know, an owner of a company and a few other you guys in here. And I, I kind of run a, you know, a staff and things like that. You might be saying, that's not me. Listen, there are people who work below you or around you that your responsibility is to serve them. And I want to make you a promise today. The Bible teaches that when you serve other people out of our heart to serve the Lord, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up in due time. Promotion does not come from being the best. Promotion comes from humility. Laying your life down and serving other people. 
this week at your job. Look for opportunities to serve those around you, those who are maybe under you, those who are above you. And I want, I want you to take a journal and write down all of the moments when God begins to bless your life. You see it in your life, and you'll see it in your job and in your company. Okay, now Paul continues, and I know this is very practical today, and he's just kind of shotgunning a few thoughts today. Are you guys okay? He continues in this, and he wants to go into the third way today on how to, evidence that you've built your life on Christ. He says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. The third one here today is to live like Christ and talk with grace to those who don't know the Lord. So we see in this verse here today that what Paul is talking about, he says, live wisely. That literally speaks to your external conduct. It speaks to your external behavior. How you live your life on the outside. The life that you lead when you're around people at your job or in your neighborhood. How you live your life. It speaks to your behavior. And here's why. Because we we look at people who don't know the Lord. And they don't have a Bible to understand how to live life. And so when we look at our ungodly, our unchristian, unbelieving neighbors, or people who don't know the Lord, we look at their lifestyle and we say, oh, we always say, man, I want to reach them, but man, uh, they they do things that I, I maybe won't do. Well, listen, give them some grace. Here's why. They don't have the Bible like you do. We can't judge them for sin in their life because they don't have the Bible to convict them of that sin. The Bible teaches us to be a representation. Our lives should look differently than theirs. Here's what I, the danger in today's society is that many of us as followers of Jesus hang out with unbelievers, which I encourage, but we look nothing different than those unbelievers. We get together and we hang out with them and whatever it might be, we go out and we engage on their level in the way that they live their life and we say, oh, it's okay. I'm just trying to reach them for Jesus. No, listen, that is not okay. What he's saying, you need to live a life of example and behavior. Let's say, why don't you do those things? Well, I just read the word and the Bible teaches me that the best thing for my life is, is to live like this. Hey, you're good. I love you. You're okay. But for me, I, I, the Bible teaches me. Why? Because I serve Christ. Well, why do you do that? Why well, do it? Because I love the Lord. Is that because you can't? No, it's because I don't want to because I love the Lord. I want to honor Jesus. You shouldn't separate yourself from people because they have sin in their life. You shouldn't separate yourself from people because they choose an alternative lifestyle. They don't have the word of God to teach them. He's trying to teach us here is to have grace upon unbelievers, but let your behavior be different than theirs. Not judgmental. Not say, well, I don't do those things. I don't drink like that or party like that or go here or go there. You don't have to do that. You don't have to make yourself judgmental to them. You just love them and encourage them and speak life into them. And when they look at your life and see that your life is different, that will plant the seed of faith in their heart. You say, why are you so different? Why don't you do those things? Is it because you can't? No, it's not because I can't. It's because I don't want to. Because I love Jesus so much. Why don't you get drunk every weekend with us? Because I don't want to. The word of God teaches me not to. And I love the Lord. And I want to please him. And I love him. That's what I was sharing with my neighbor. I've told you this before. When I was, I was going, you know, last year, and I wasn't going to share this, but I, you know, I would drink alcohol for a long time and felt the Lord tell me that I needed to stop that in my life. I feel like I needed to not drink anymore. And August 10th, I, I was the last time I had a drink. And I just felt the Lord say, you know, Ryan, this isn't for you. And it's not for me. It might be for you, but it's not for me. And as I did that, I sat with my neighbor and we're driving to the car. I said, bro, I stopped drinking. And we would drink all the time together. And I was drinking with him, keeping pace with him, because I thought I needed to share the gospel with him. And that was the way to kind of get in there with him. 
I sat and he says, Ryan, he goes, you stopped drinking, why? I said, honestly, man, I, I, I really love God. And I really have, a, I, I want to grow my relationship with God. And I know that the, the, sometimes I know this doesn't please him in my life. Now, my, it's okay for you, bro. But for me, I just want to grow my walk with God. I want to grow my walk with Jesus. And so I made a choice not to do that. And he was just like, it just was like perplexed. Like, what? Because he only thinks about a relationship with God through religion. To do. He doesn't often hear relationship. And so if you're choosing not to live a certain way in your life because you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you're planting a seed into their lives. A seed of faith and a seed of hope. And look, Paul actually teaches us how to, he says, make the most of opportunity, every opportunity. You know what this word means? Literally buy it up like it's a bargain. Ever go on Marketplace, Facebook, and it's a dangerous place, or Kijiji, I know Michael does. And Matt Proc maybe goes on there and sees something and he buys it and sells it and makes a bunch of money. I wish I had that gift. I gotta buy this now. Oh my gosh, this is so cheap. That house is $200,000 off. Praise God. Move, move, go, go. That's literally what this means. Now I want you to notice something. This doesn't mean you make the opportunities. This doesn't mean that you try to finagle an opportunity for you to share your faith with them. You know what this means? This means that opportunities will come up if you are faithfully living a life that honors the Lord and you're living a life that honors God. You're living a life that wants to please Jesus. You're living a life that adheres to his word. Guess what? Guess what will happen? Opportunities will arise and you'll have equity to buy those opportunities. Man, I'm having a tough day. Man, I'm feeling depressed today. Hey, bro, you know what? I deal with that in my life too, but guess what helps me? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ, man. And yeah, I struggled and it was hard. And man, the community of God came around me. And man, I just realized that God was with me. And yeah, sometimes I still feel discouraged and depressed, but guess what? God pulled me out of that season. I'm gonna buy that opportunity up as quickly as I can. I'm gonna buy it up. Why? Because you only have uh, 1,440 minutes a day. What are you doing with those minutes? How many of you know when a great opportunity comes up to buy a house or to buy a thing, what happens if you don't buy it? It goes away. So I want to encourage you today. Buy up every single moment you have with individuals who are around you. Don't try to force it. A lot of people think that we need to force it, finagle it. Listen, the Holy Spirit knows them just as much as you do. He knows their heart. He knows where they're at. You don't need to force it. The Lord will create an opportunity for you to plant a seed of faith into their heart. And God willing, they will turn their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. He continues in the scripture and he says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. This word gracious here literally means to, to it's kind of a twofold purpose of the word. It speaks to God's grace and your grace. Let your, and he goes from your lifestyle, how you live, to your conversation. Let it be gracious and let it be attractive to them. Let your words be attractive to their lives. When you speak to them, when you talk to them, let there be a conversation of grace among them. Let there be a conversation of God's grace in your life. Ryan, how do I share the gospel? Tell them about how of a terrible mess you were and how God helped you. Tell them about how you needed God's grace in your life and God showed up in just the nick of time. Make it attractive and winsome to their life. You know, one thing about following Jesus is that there's a few things I believe over the years I've, I've realized are ways 
to season your conversation with salt. Here's a few of them. The difference is between us and other things is that we have a relationship with Jesus and not a religion. We do not have a to-dos. We have a relationship. We realize that we have a genuine life-giving community, amen? Amen. You get to share all things in common and do life together and carry one another's burdens. Do you know how many people are looking for great, authentic community where it's not fake and religious but real and honest? I would even go as far to say some of you are here today because you say, man, Love City Church, they are what they say they are. They're just honest. The pastor just talks about all sorts of problems in his life all the time. We're just honest and real, and and we are who we are. Man, I want to be a part of that community where I can be accepted for just the way I am, but also encouraged to grow in my walk with God. We also recognize over the years that we learn that people need to know that we have a Father who loves us unconditionally no matter what. That there is nothing in your life that you've done that can, that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. So as we conclude our time here, those are the, the three things. I want to bring this whole thing back that, that you know, we need to serve our employ, employer as though we're serving Jesus, serve our employees as though we're serving Jesus, and to recognize that we have a responsibility with outsiders not to judge them we, we cannot judge them for the life that they're living when they become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's when we start the discipleship process and the Holy Spirit begins to convict us of sin. Let me just tell you this today. It is not your job to be the convictor. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And if you let the Holy Spirit do his work and you let the Holy Spirit lead you and lead them, he will convict people for their sin. I am not the judge and arbitrator of your sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Paul concludes with this interesting verse. In this very end of our time here together, it says this, be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. Paul only mentions two times as he mentioned the church praying. It's both in this chapter. The second time is he's encouraging them to pray for a specific person. So this is the only time in the entire book of Colossians where Paul brings up the idea of why and how you should pray. Why did Paul end his entire book with this verse? Listen, be earnest, be unwearied, be steadfast, do not stop, do not quit, keep going, don't let anything keep you back. Don't stop in your relationship with Jesus and your communication with God. Keep it alive. Keep it real. Keep it active. Why did Paul do that? Because he knew from the very beginning of this letter there was a danger within the church to decrease the importance and the value of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The church of that day was making it all about works and making all about, you know, hyper-spiritual things, Gnosticism and higher knowledge and all these things. And what Paul was saying, listen, you've got to keep it about Jesus. Because if you don't, there's a fear. Paul had a concern for the church. Look what he says in these verses. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Paul was concerned that in the church there were people who were allowing humanistic ideologies to enter the church. He was worried that there were thought processes and about the, one of them was that you this hyper-spirituality that, that there was just, Jesus wasn't enough, I need more. They were, they were thinking that the message of Jesus is too simple. 
And they begin to overcomplicate it. They begin to make it about all sorts of things that it wasn't about. And Jesus, or Paul was worried that they would soon be captured. That word captured there literally means to kidnap, to tie up, and to bound. His concern was is that those in the church were allowing humanistic ideologies and thinking to begin to fill their minds and hearts through social media or through media outlets or through friendships or other maybe even false teachers or things. And Paul was saying, listen, don't forget that it's all about Jesus. Don't forget that it's about Jesus Christ crucified and Jesus Christ buried and Jesus Christ risen from the dead. It's not about anything else. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't get caught up in all of this other jargon and human ideologies that is not from God's word. Stay focused on one thing and one thing alone, Jesus Christ. Keep him the center of your life. Keep him the center of your marriage. Don't allow yourself to be wooed by YouTube preachers or by different uh, self-help books or ideologies or perspectives. Or Don't allow yourself to get there. Don't do it. Don't overcomplicate this message of Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ. He continues and he says this verse towards the end of verse two. He says this, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Look at this. Don't drift away. I made a conscious decision this morning to end this nine-week series on this, this uh, pastoral um, beckoning. I need you to hear me today. Every one of you in this room has a potential to drift away. Hear me today. Every single individual in this room, no matter how long you have served the Lord, has the potential to drift away if Jesus does not remain the first and the center of your life. If Jesus Christ, if you don't continue to be rooted in him and to be built up in him and to build your life on him, if, you, if we continue to be religious and go to church and say the prayer, but not truly begin to allow the word of God to transform and change us, I want you to know, my, out, of, out of concern for the church today, to those watching online, to those in the room, you have a potential to be captured and to drift away from your faith. And you know what that looks like? It might not be you leave the church. It just might mean you show up on Sunday, but there is no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is only a religion. You grow up believing moral ideology and you grow up thinking, well, I'm a Christian, yes, but you don't have an intimate personal relationship with the Son of God. You don't have a personal intimate relationship with the very greatness of Jesus Christ. Why? Because somewhere along the line, I allowed human ideologies or somewhere along the line, I allowed this certain perspective. I drifted away from the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Jesus Christ came for sinners and he died on a cross and I am that sinner and he was buried in the grave and he rose on the third day. He's the only, only prophet or only God of all religions who rose from the dead. And he made a way for me to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. And there was no other way to build my life than on Christ Jesus. There was no other solid rock no company, no business, no finance, no self-help guru, no spiritual retreat, no miracle, no nothing. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the, is the top. Jesus is the bottom. I must choose to build my life on Christ. I, I implore you today to consider where you're at in your journey with Christ. 
Are you just going to church and doing your thing and calling yourself a Christian, but in reality, your life is not being built on Christ? Today is the day where you can turn the tide in your life and say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I want to come back into relationship with you. I want to get back on track today to build my life on you and begin this journey once again with Christ to have a life-giving, alive relationship with the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who heals minds and transforms lives, the one who heals marriages and makes minds new, the one who wants to give you an inheritance that you can share in the very glory of God right now and in the life to come. We have to make a conscious decision to build our life on Christ. Not build our life on the church, not build our life on a pastor, not build our life on certain philosophies and even doctrines or ideologies. We build our life on Jesus. I just sense in this room this morning there's some conviction. (laughs) There's some of you today, maybe you don't know Christ and you'd like to start a relationship with him or maybe some of you in the room today are like, man, Ryan, I feel like I've been captured and I want to get back on track today. I want to pray for you. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. We're going to sing one more song before we do. Just close your eyes for a minute this morning. I just believe I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to call you forward, but I do want to pray for you. And I think there's something powerful about lifting your hand. And what it is, it's actually like an act of faith. It's like, okay, I want to I make a public declaration that I need God. Come on, every eye closed in this place. You're here today and you say, Ryan, maybe I've been captured. Maybe I've, I've been drifting away. And I want to make a fresh commitment today to get back on track with my intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, that's you today. Every eye closed. Come on, it's you today. Put your hand in the air today. Come on, amen. Amen, you can put your hand down. One more question. Anyone in the room today doesn't know Jesus? You'd like to start a relationship with him today. You say, Ryan, I don't know God, and I'd like to start today. Come on, you just put your hand in the air. Wave it at me real quick. Amen, let me pray for you today. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for those online, God, who are responding, those in the room. Lord, we just come back. Well, the, the, the Revelations teaches us, Lord, to come back to our first love. So we today, Lord, come back to our first love. We come back to our relationship with you. We come back to the moment where we started, God, where we were such in deep need for you, Father. And Jesus, we just ask you to forgive us, Lord. We, Lord, we repent of our sin. And we say, Father, we want to start a fresh and new relationship with you today. God, your mercies are as new as the rising of the sun. Lord, as far as the east is from the west, so you've removed our transgressions from us. And Lord, we want to say thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we make a conscious decision today to build our life on you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, you can stand. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.